Hello and welcome to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast. I'm Phil Gonzalez and I will be your host and your guide as we journey through the world of the Berenstain Bears from beginning to... Uh, till I run out of steam, honestly, because this thing is huge. It's enormous. You would not believe how gigantic the universe of the Berenstain Bears is, and it does not look like it is ever going to come to an end. There's just no way I will ever be able to keep up with this thing. I can't even keep track of how many books there are. It seems like a new one is coming out every week, seemingly every week. So with that in mind, I fully intend to explore every single aspect of the Bears universe. Who are the Berenstain Bears? Well, you know them as Papa Bear, Mama Bear, Brother Bear, Sister Bear, and eh, sometimes Honey Bear. There might be a dog at times in the books. And an enormous cast of characters. They live in a land called Bear Country, which is a somewhat rural, somewhat suburban, somewhat urban area in America. Uh, they drive old-timey cars, but they have computers. They have libraries and bookstores and doctors and seem to be mired in kind of a 1950s, 60s-ish, 1970s-y, early 20s, late 30s, somewhat 80s, 90s pop cultural era. They try to keep up with what's going on, but there's that old-timey car and Papa with his axe. So it's kind of hard to tell. They're timeless. Let's just say they're timeless. Uh, so this family of bears, they live in a tree in bear country, they have some neighbors. Their books kind of deal with problems, the issues of a family, and we love them. We love them all. So how big is this universe? How big does it go? What are we looking at here? If I'm going to cover every single thing the Berenstain Bears have thrown at us, what do I have in front of me? Well, we have several different book series. We have the initial Berenstain Bears, which was the beginner book series, uh, the I Can Read It All By Myself books. You might recognize those. They have a little circle up in the upper right-hand corner of the covers with the cat in the hat in them, and it says, I can read it all by myself around the cat in the hat, and at the bottom it says beginner books. And after that, there are the bright and early books, which are slightly easier than the beginner books. Then there's the first-time books, and these are the books you probably think of when you think of the Berenstain Bears. This includes things like the Berenstain Bears go to school, the Berenstain Bears go to the doctor, the Berenstain Bears and the new baby, the Berenstain Bears and the trouble with grown-ups. These are the square ones, the ones you see usually at the bookstore paperbacks. Uh, then there's the big chapter books. Uh, those are for preteens and older kids. They deal with preteen and older kid issues like don't say, don't say no to drugs. Please say no to drugs. Uh, you know, your first crush, uh, bullies at school, you know, getting pressure to, to, uh, to conform to outside forces, the things that kids are going to, you know, have to deal with as they get a little bit older. And they're chapter books. And then there's the religious books put out by Zonder Kids. And these look a lot like the first time books, the square ones, but they deal explicitly with spiritual matters, uh, you know, moralistic issues, how to be a better citizen, how to be a better neighbor, but from a strictly religious standpoint. And uh, they deal a lot with God. Some of them actually do have God in the title. They're not shy about, you know, what they're there for. It's just, it's easy to confuse them for the other books because they look so much like the regular series that you could accidentally grab one in the library if you're not careful, or 
you know, purposefully grab one if that's what you're into. That's totally cool. You know, it's just a different thing, different strokes for different folks. Then there's books that were created just to be used as giveaways for fast food restaurants and whatnot. There were uh, uh, coloring books and activity books, uh, books that were recorded on audio cassette and then forgotten about. There were two television series, a Saturday morning cartoon that I watched when I was a kid, and then a PBS series that came on later that my older child used to watch and that I would watch uh, along as well and that I've seen since and I guess some people consider them in the same continuity but I don't consider them in the same continuity they're they're not in the same continuity but Michael Sarah was in one so that's interesting there were five television specials starting in the 1970s that dealt with uh, different holidays you may have seen one or two of those they didn't rerun them very often but they were pretty available on VHS uh, there were uh, stage plays and musicals and of computer games. So uh, I'm going to tackle all of these individually and in chronological order. That's right. Starting over 50 years ago, work on our way up to the present. I'm going to use the official list from BerenstainBears.com. And if you've never been to BerenstainBears.com, I highly recommend it. It is an invaluable resource for people like me, people who want to know more about the Berenstain Bears. They've got a blog that they update all the time that has sketches and history and old interviews with uh, the creators. And it's something that I get excited about, but you may not, which is why you're listening to this and not googling everything about i've got like 150 tabs open in chrome right now with just bear and stain bear stuff that's kind of how into this i am so uh who created the bear and stain bears well let's look at a little bit of history uh stanley and janice berenstain they were a husband and wife team or a wife and husband team however you want to look at it uh they were both born in the early 1920s uh they were children of the depression which makes their childhoods automatically interesting to me and they both had their artistic talents encouraged from a very early age and that is something that you see time and again when they write about their childhoods people really thought that it was great that these kids wanted to draw and create and so they did uh, they were constantly creating artwork throughout high school they went to art school where they met uh, they studied under master painters people who have their paintings and still do have their paintings hanging in museums stan gets drafted into world war ii uh jan becomes a rosie the riveter like a literal riveter like putting rivets into things that require rivets so that those things that require rivets can be put together into things that go overseas and do things in war uh stan comes back they get married they become partners in cartooning which is kind of a big deal like that wasn't a thing like they immediately develop this reputation as the husband and wife artistic team they started sending out different ideas comics to different magazines and they found no one was interested in what they had to offer no one they couldn't sell a single uh comic at all until an editor told them your stuff is great it's very funny it's way too highbrow no one at this point is really interested in jokes about picasso they want jokes about being a parent they changed their focus immediately became a sensation started selling comics left and right supporting themselves uh, eventually landed a gig with colliers they they got full color uh comic spreads in the magazine became the cover artist you've probably seen some of these colliers covers they're these just sprawling images of like the interior of a movie theater in the 1920s with just kids for a children's matinee like running all over the place and 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 just wrecking havoc that was kind of their thing showing kids wrecking havoc they had a number of different comic strips 
types, sort of a Dennis the Menacey type uh, look at child raising. They wrote books on parenting, a whole bunch of books on parenting that they wrote and illustrated. Uh, they had a regular stint with a comic called It's All in the Family that I believe ran until 1990 in a couple of different magazines. It was a it was a comic strip sitcom uh, before. You know, there were really sitcoms that everyone could watch. You know, people relied on keeping up with characters in the comics page, and they just kind of kept doing that. And it was about, you know, family life, just this this one particular family. I'll probably look into that into an episode later on. Uh, they went into the children's market basically because it was there and it was new. This guy, Dr. Seuss, who people kind of knew as the guy who did insecticide ads decided he was going to start writing books and so he did and he wrote a bunch of really popular books that the, that the Berenstains were familiar with but then he hit it really big with a book you may have heard of called The Cat in the Hat and The Cat in the Hat revolutionized the way people approached teaching children how to read because here was a reading primer that was bizarre and funny and off the wall that made parents laugh that was visually interesting and that kids would go to school and talk about that children begged for and all of a sudden bam the children's reading primer market blew up. Everybody wanted a piece of this pie. And that was when uh, Dr. Seuss created the I Can Read It All By Myself beginner book series. And Stan and Jan shopped some ideas around until they just kind of landed at Dr. Seuss's doorstep. And he took them under his wing, brought them into his office. I mean, they were still under his wing, I guess, when he walked them into his office. And taught them systematically how to write for children, how to simplify their prose, how to create better rhymes, how to illustrate, how to approach uh, book illustration as a filmmaker would approach them with with long shots, with zooms, with close-ups, with over the shoulder, like anything you could, he approached it as a filmmaker and he taught them how to be better layout artists. And they had a really contentious relationship, but it, helped them create the world of the Berenstain Bears. Uh, contentious to the point where Dr. Seuss didn't think they should continue doing anything with bears because there were too many bears in the market. But Stan and Jam persevered and the market demanded more bears. And that's kind of the that's kind of it. Uh, they had their first big publication in the children's book market with a family of bears. And the rest is history. Their first thing created the rest of the things that's a metaphor that i'm gonna write down and will have on my tombstone because i deserve it for that horrible thing i just said the first thing the rest of their things so each episode of this podcast is going to cover one book in the series just one uh maybe two if things start looking a little dicey i mean there's not a whole lot to you know bears on wheels but I want to keep these short and very specific, and I want to cover certain things in each episode. Obviously, the plot and the characters and the themes, but also recurring gags. I want to keep track of, the, especially in the early books, which are very slapsticky. I want to look at the evolution of their artwork. If you look at the early bear books compared to the later bear books, they are completely different in how they are illustrated, how they're laid out, how the bears move, how the bears react, uh, the fluidity of everything. Have, you can tell what decade each book was written in just by glancing at the cover. I want to look at other characters in bear country. Bear country is huge and sprawling. And in a way, the Berenstain Bears are kind of a prototype Simpsons. Uh, and then you have this sprawling cast of characters in the town that get added to over the years and gain prominence and then lose prominence uh, over time. And I always thought of bear country as kind of like a gentle Springfield. It's not full of idiots. It's full of good-hearted, 
uh, people who just want to help each other. And even or even the bullies are are friendly to a fault eventually, uh, except for that one in the trouble in the one about bullies. But we'll get to her later because ooh, ooh, the bullies book. That's a that's a hard one. I also want to look at the geography of Bear Country, which seems to be this like weird amalgamation of several different time periods. And I want to look at the bear's treehouse, this tiny little tree the bears live in that is enormous on the inside and at times seems like something that could legitimately have been carved out of a tree and at other times just looks like a split level that some of my friends had. And also I want to take a look at the mysterious house across the street that comes and goes and has had about 150 different neighbors living in it including the new neighbors which is a book we'll get to in due time. So uh, that's it. That is the premise of this podcast. I'm going to cover the history of the Berenstain Bears one book at a time, and when it's time, one TV show at a time, and one uh, special at a time, and one computer game at a time, and, you know, maybe one stage play at a time, and uh, we'll see if we can get some of the information on the musicals. That might be really fun to look at. Uh, I'll try to get some guests in to talk with me because my voice can get boring even for myself and we will continue next time with the first book in the official Berenstain Bears series the Berenstain Bears the Big Honey Hunt or as it was originally called the Big Honey Hunt because they weren't called the Berenstain Bears yet by Stanley and Janice Berenstain because they weren't called Stan and Jan Berenstain yet that comes later we'll look at the sort of origins of it the story itself and then the aftermath and impact of it. But that's for next time. So join me next time for Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and I'll see you next time.